So uh, when I was nine years old, I played Little League Baseball. And I was on a team sponsored by McDonald's down in Crown Point, and our team won the championship that year. We went 14-4. and four. Now, I have no doubt that I contributed very little. My athletic prowess, not so much. But I did contribute to our very first loss. We were about 8-0, maybe 10-0 that year, and uh, it was our first loss. Um, we were losing in the bottom of the ninth, or bottom of the seventh, and it only goes with seven innings. So in the bottom of the seventh, we're losing. And guess who's standing on third base? With two outs. The, the cards were stacked against John. So I'm standing on third base, and uh, I'm, I'm there, and the coach comes over to me, and the coach starts to talk to me. And I don't know if I, I remember what he told me. He said, okay, the next guy up is going to bunt, and when he does, I want you to stay put. Got it, coach. No problem. I can do this. So the guy comes up to bat. Comes up to bat. Pitcher throws the ball. He bunts it, and I take off for home. I don't know if I had like just a momentary lapse of reason. I don't know if I overestimated my athletic abilities, you know, but I take off for home and I slide into home plate and the umpire calls me out and I'll never forget the look on his face when he said, you're out because my dad was umpiring that game. He remembers. I, I didn't know if he'd remember or not, but yeah, he remember. Oh yeah, I remember calling my only my oldest son out at home plate, you know, but I was out, you know, and I, I blew it. I blew it, and I mean, I felt like a loser. And and I went back to our van. And I'm sitting in the back of the van, and I'm just crying my eyes out, I'm crying because I cost our team the game. It was our first loss of the season, and I think I was really crying because the coach told us that after our first loss, we'd have to run laps. And I tell you right now, Sean does not run. I've told you this before that if you ever see me running, you need to start running, because something is chasing us, something big and mean. It could be a bear, it could be ghost pirates, it could be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't know, but whatever is chasing us, you need to start running. And believe me, uh, for a short burst, I can outrun you. But I, I, I just remember sitting there in the van, just crying my eyes out, thinking to myself, I, I blew it. I lost the game. I, I, I messed up. I, I'm, I'm such a loser. I think we all feel that way from time to time. Maybe not because of athletic abilities or lack thereof. But I think we all sometimes feel like losers, like we messed up too bad. Like we messed up too much. That God could never forgive us for all the sins that we've committed, for all the ways that we've messed up. And, and whatever, and maybe it's, we feel that way in the present because, because we're still messing up. And we feel like God could never keep forgiving us for all the ways we keep messing up. And so whether it's an addiction or a sin habit or it's some kind of uh, struggle that you're having, maybe you feel like you're letting everyone down and you feel like a loser. I know sometimes when we let people down, that's when we most feel like a loser. I let my team down, felt like a loser. Maybe you feel like a loser because you let your family down. You know, they were counting on you and, and you let them down. They're counting on you to provide, or they're counting on you to put food on the table, and, 
and you just can't make ends meet and you feel like a loser. Or maybe you, you, you feel like a loser at work. You told your boss, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this taken care of. I'm going to do this. And yet, you didn't come through. And you feel like a loser. Or, or maybe you feel like a loser at church. You come in here on a Sunday morning and you look around and you think, man, everybody's got it so together. Everybody, everybody's fine and everybody's perfect. And then there's me. And I feel like a loser because I feel like I let God down all the time. Any of you ever feel like a loser? Any of you ever feel like you let somebody down? Anybody ever feel like you let God down? Yeah. Makes you feel like a loser, doesn't it? That you just can't measure up. And you're just a loser. Well, I got news for you. God does not look at you like you're a loser. God does not look at you as though you are worthless. He does not look at you as though you are a failure. No. God sees you in a completely different way. This morning, we're going to continue. Actually, we're going to conclude our, our sermon series called Your Story, His Glory. And we've talked about different passages of Scripture and different stories from Scripture about people who had bad circumstances or bad situations, things happened to them, or even they made bad choices, and bad things ended up happening, but God was able to take those situations and those stories and those circumstances and those choices, and he was able to work them out for good. We started looking at Romans 8.28. It says, we know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So if you love God and do his will, God is going to work everything in your life out for good. Maybe not in this life, but eventually in the next, God will work it all out for good. We also talked about how uh, Joseph was sold into slavery and how Joseph was forgotten in prison, and yet God never forgot about him and never gave up on him, and Joseph never gave up on his faith, and he stayed faithful to God even in the midst of terrible circumstances and terrible situations. We also talked about Lazarus and how God, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and how Jesus raises dead dreams and dead expectations, that even when we're disappointed in God, when we feel that disappointment in God, he changes things and he raises our dead dreams. And then last week we talked about Moses and how Moses made a terrible choice. He chose to kill an Egyptian slave master and then he ran away for 40 years. But God called him into his service, even though he had made a terrible choice. And sometimes in our lives, we need to be reminded that we are forgiven and that God can still use us in spite of the terrible choices that we make. And today, we're going to talk about the greatest event in human history. I'm so excited to talk to you today about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no, this is something that we normally kind of save for Easter. We don't talk about the resurrection until Easter time. But I'm telling you right now, we're going to talk about it today. Because I believe that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the power of the resurrection, we have victory. And so we're going to look today at a passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we talk about victory. Now, I know it sounds strange to talk about being losers so much before uh, in the opening of a sermon about victory, but believe me, you'll see where we're going in just a few moments. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 28, and then verses 51 to 57, as well as some other passages along the way. And we're going to take this section, this uh, passage of Scripture, in about four chunks. 
so if you've got your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you did not bring your Bible with you, that's okay. We have Bibles in the chair in front of you. It looks like this. You can reach down and grab one of those. And uh, it's on page 815 of the Bible in the chair in front of you. Uh, or you can always use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, I recommend Version or Bible Gateway. I prefer Bible Gateway, but that's me. But you can go to the iTunes store or you can go to the Google Play store and you can pick up uh, either Version or Bible Gateway. So I want to read, starting here in 1 Corinthians 15. Now this is about the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, the, gen- the Gentiles of uh, the Greeks of Paul's day didn't necessarily believe in a resurrection of the body. They didn't believe in a physical bodily resurrection. No, they believed in the, that the resurrection would take place of the soul. So they, the soul would be separated from the body, only the soul would be raised. Now, there's a problem with that, is that Christians believe that Jesus physically, his body was physically raised from the dead. In fact, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, according to John's gospel, ate fish. He ate fish. And now ghosts or souls can't eat fish. It would just kind of go, you know. But Jesus actually ate fish. So his body was raised from the dead. And so Paul is combating this idea that the uh, Corinthians had that, that Jesus didn't physically raise from the dead because they didn't believe in a resurrection. We'll get into that in just a second. So look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Real quick, there's a Greek word there for the word gospel, and it's the word euangelion. Uh, and it's a word from which we get our word evangelism or evangelize. And the word literally means good news. So the word for gospel literally means good news news. I love good news. I'm sure you love to hear good news. Somebody find out somebody's going to have a baby or someone's getting a new job or someone's getting a new car or somebody's getting a new house or uh, somebody's, uh, you know, team won the Super Bowl, whatever. But we love to hear good news. And, and that's what that word euangelion literally means. It means gospel or good news. And so Paul is talking about the gospel that he has preached to them, this good news about Jesus and his resurrection. Verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, even though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, that's Jesus' brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Though by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or, or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And so he's talking about this good news that God raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he died on a cross, and when the Romans crucified you, they made sure you were dead. He didn't like faint. Uh, he didn't just pass out from the pain. He literally died. He had nails driven through his wrists and through his feet. Uh, he had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He bled. He died. They took a spear. They stuck it in his side, and he and he bled to death, and he, he died. He literally died, physically died. 
And they buried him in a tomb. And then on the third day, God raised him from the dead. I want to read a passage of scripture for you from from Matthew 28. This is about Jesus rising from the dead. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. And he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So Jesus was physically dead, and then he was literally raised from the dead back to life after three days in the ground. And he came back to life. He walked out of that tomb alive forevermore. And then he rose. Uh, not only did he rise from the dead, but he was uh, ascended into heaven. He went into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father in power and glory. Angels adore him and worship him. And one day we're going to see him face to face. And I'm looking forward to that day. There will be no more pain, no more struggles, no more heartache, no more sin, no more addiction, no more habits, nothing except Jesus and his love. Look forward to that day. And so Jesus was raised from the dead just as the Bible says he was. And now you can go to tombs all over the world. You can go searching for the tomb of Jesus Christ and you will not find it because he is not there. He has been raised forevermore. Let's keep going in 1 Corinthians 15. Starting in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Again, the Greeks, the Gentiles did not believe that there was a resurrection. If there is no resurrection of the dead, and then, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has, has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. And what Paul is saying there is that if there is no resurrection of the dead, if people don't rise from the grave, people don't rise from the dead, then not even Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus is still in the ground somewhere, if Jesus is still dead, then we're dead. Our faith is futile, he says. It, we, we may as well not even believe anything. We're, we're, we've com been completely duped. The wool pulled all over our eyes. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters if Jesus Christ isn't alive. If Jesus Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then we have no hope. None. We are sunk. Paul says that we are to be pitied more than all men. Because we walk around like stark raving lunatics. If Jesus isn't alive, then we're walking around like lunatics talking about this risen Savior. We may as well empty the building, close the doors, sell it off, and just go about our lives as though nothing matters. But. That's the next word in the next passage. But. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. And God has put everything under Jesus' feet. He has given all authority and power to Jesus Christ. And so that uh, what the Bible tells us is that we are to go into all the, all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything God, that he has commanded us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he gives you victory. And you may feel like a loser. You may feel like you've been defeated. You may feel as though you've let everyone down. But I'm here to tell you right now that Jesus Christ can give you victory in your life. And I believe that. And I believe that faith is the victory. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I'm going to read that passage in just a second. But I want to read from Colossians chapter 2. Uh, verses 9 through 15 it says for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily this is in Jesus and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That through Jesus we have victory. Say it. Through Jesus we have victory. Through Jesus we have victory. And through Jesus we have victory. We do not have to live lives of defeat. We do not have to live lives of losers. We don't have to live lives of fearing that we've let everyone down that we've let God down, our family down, our, war our co-workers down, our boss down. We do not have to live lives of fear. We do not have to live lives of guilt. We do not have to live lives of shame because through Jesus Christ, we have victory. Amen. He is the champion. He is the ultimate victor. And he gives us his victory through the power of his resurrection. And so no longer do you have to be defeated by sin. No longer do you have to be defeated by addiction. No longer do you have to be defeated by habits. You do not have to be defeated because through Jesus, you have victory. I want to read from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will also certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we believe in him and repent from our sins and we confess our faith and we get baptized, we are buried with Christ into his death. And when we come out of the waters of baptism, we are raised to new life. We are raised spiritually from the dead. 
and given the promise of victory and eternal life through Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 57. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will, all, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Say it with me. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That through Jesus, death is no longer has any power. The grave no longer has any power. Sin no longer has any power. Because Jesus Christ has given us the victory. Praise be to God. So you may feel like a loser. You, you may feel like you've let everyone down. You may feel like you are nothing. You may feel defeated. You may feel like anything but a victor. But I got news for you. The game's not over. The game's not over. You see, when Jesus was laying in the ground, when he was crucified on the cross, I'm certain that the enemy said, <laughs> game over. I've won, he lost. God lost, I've crucified the Son of God. I've crucified God in the flesh. But the game wasn't over. Oh no, my friends, the game was not over. Because on that third day, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and brought him back to life to give us hope of resurrection. So that when someone says to you, you're a loser, when someone says to you, you're defeated, when the enemy comes calling and accusing you and saying that you're defeated and that you're a loser and you're not worth anything, you can say, the game's not over. I'm not done. He's not done with me yet. The game's not over. Say that with me. The game's not over. Jesus Christ is the victor, and he gives us the victory by his resurrection, by the power of his resurrection. And there is power within you, my friends. There is power within us. And we do not have to live lives of fear. We do not have to live lives of anxiety. We do not have to live lives of dread. We do not have to live lives of guilt. We do not have to live lives of shame. We do not have to live lives of addiction. We do not have to live lives of sinful habits. We do not have to give in to the sins and the struggles because there is power within us. It is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Check out this from Romans 8, 11. And if by, the, if by the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God's very Spirit lives within you. And it is the Spirit, it is the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And this power lives in you. You have resurrection power within you. So don't let anyone tell you that you're defeated. Don't let anyone tell you that you're dead. Don't let anyone tell you that you're a loser because the power of victory lives in you. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you have this power within you. So don't live a life of defeat. You have victory. 
Don't live the life of a loser. You're a champion because of what Jesus can do in you. I want to read from 1, Peter, 1 John chapter 5, verses 3-5. through 5. It says, In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We have victory in Jesus. How many of you remember that song? Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, right? Faith is the victory, right? We have victory in Jesus Christ because of our faith in Him. And it's not anything special that we've done. It's not because we're so great or so wonderful. It's not because we're so strong because we know that we are weak. You know, we are weak, but He is strong. Know that song too. But it's because of His grace and because of His power that is at work within us through the power of the Holy Spirit that He is transforming us and changing us. And He is making, uh, He is taking away this defeat. He is taking away this loser mentality. And rather, He is replacing it with the victory that He gives to us through Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, no matter where you are in your journey of faith, no matter how you're feeling this morning, you may feel defeated, you may feel like a loser, you may feel like you've blown it too many times, but I'm here to tell you that there is victory that is waiting for you, that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will give you victory, victory over sin, victory over death, victory over the grave, and you will have the promise and the hope of eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ forever. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day. The day when there is no more pain, when there is no more struggle, when there is no more sin, when there is no more cancer, when there is no more disease, when there is no more suffering, when there is no more hurting, there is no more back pain, there is no more ankle pain, knee pain, mental illness, when all of those things are done away with, addiction and habits and sins are done away with through the power of Jesus Christ. When that day comes, will you be there? Will you be standing there in victory? Will you be standing there as uh, one who has overcome the world, as one who has defeated death, as through Jesus Christ, the ultimate victor and champion? Will you be there? Because that's, that's the hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus. That's the hope that we have through the power of his resurrection. That's how he changes your story for his glory. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in him. We thank you for the power of his resurrection. We thank you for the power that he gives to us through the Holy Spirit. And I pray for my friends today that, Lord, if they're feeling defeated, if they're feeling like losers, if they're feeling like they have been beat up and spit out, if they feel like they have been, like they're worthless, that, God, you would remind them that we are your precious children and that you love us so much. And that you raised Jesus from the dead. And we have hope of resurrection. We have hope of eternal life. And this isn't just a wish upon a star. It is a guarantee of eternal life with you by the promise of your grace. So I pray for my friends here today, those who feel defeated, who feel like they have no future, who feel like the game is over. Just remind them this week that, God, the game's not over you have the final say. You have the final word. You have the final word of victory. We praise you and we thank you in the blessed name of your son, Jesus. Amen.